Amen. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be with my family here today. Big, my big family. Um, as Pastor Pete mentioned earlier, um, yes, we're going to start a new sermon series going through the book of Ephesians. Super excited. Uh, Ephesians, our new reality in Christ. Um, we're going to go over what that means. Ephesians, our new reality in Christ. So I'm going to give a brief overview, an introduction of the book of Ephesians, and then we're going to start breaking it down uh, uh, piece by piece, digging into these treasures that we're just going to unwrap every week. So, so uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints of Christ, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a, uh, I keep doing this, there's a thing. There is a show in the UK um, on the BBC network um, called Air Hunters, H-E-I-R, Air Hunters. And the heir is a person who inherits someone's property, right? Uh, whether it's their, their home, their land, their bank accounts. Uh, after that, somebody dies. Their heir, H-E-I-R, inherits it and gets it, right? Usually it's somebody that they name on their will, someone like a relative. And, and there's like an official document saying, when I die, this and this goes to him, goes to her, yada, yada, yada. And it's this official document, um, just to, to put it simply. Uh, but if no one, if, if the person didn't make a will and there's no one, they didn't have any children, who does it go to? So this show is about um, uh, these, uh, these uh, research teams, these research firms. They research genealogies and family trees, and they go out finding these, these heirs, these next, uh, the kin, next in kin who are to receive the inheritance. They go out finding them, doing all this research, uh, and then say, hey, guess what? I have good news for you. you you're you're going to receive an inheritance what, what, what? From, from who? And, uh, and they're just like all excited, right? But uh, sign here first. <laughs> sign here first. And then they, of course, they take a cut, but then they uh, lead them to who in their family died and they didn't have a will, so they may be the next in line to get the property. Uh, and, and on this show, some of these uh, inheritances go upwards to like a million dollars. And... Um, and, and as, you, as you can imagine, once they get the news, you know, their lives are changed. All of a sudden, they're $20,000 richer, $100,000 richer, $1 million dollars richer. 
Now imagine if you received that letter or phone call. You know, it's just another boring day at school or at work, and uh, all of a sudden um, you get this notice. Hey, as a blood relative of Mr. So-and-so, right, you are the heir to his estate worth millions of dollars. Imagine you got that call or that letter in the mail. And simply by the fact that you are united to Mr. So-and-so, your life will now forever be changed. There's a new reality for you because of the relationship you have with Mr. So-and-so. Maybe your distant cousin or uncle or whoever it might have been that passed away. You've done nothing. And all you need to do is cash it in and say, yep, that's me. Uh, and many of these people hunted down by these air hunters think it's a hoax. Too good to be true, right? Skeptical. Just throw the letter away or, you know, block call. Um, but wouldn't you at least Google this company or whoever is writing you this letter? Wouldn't you at least, you know, give it a shot? Call the number, visit the office, especially if this is such a big claim of an inheritance. Because what if it really is true and you miss out on the life-changing reality? And I think, to be honest, all of us, aren't we all wanting for something like this to be true? Not necessarily financially, but something. A love letter, a college acceptance letter, a debt forgiveness letter, a job offer letter, something or someone to say, life doesn't have to be boring and pointless. There's a better reality out there, that you're worth more than what you believe or what people say that you're loved, accepted, you're beautiful, that you matter and have a purpose in this world. So what's hunting you and offering to change your reality? What things out there claim to change your life? What thing can transform who you are and how you live? Ephesians is a letter a lot like that, I believe. From the air hunters. Apostle Paul writing this letter to the people of Ephesus saying, this is who you are. This is what you have. Therefore, go live out your new identity and leave your old life. Having been united to Christ by faith, simply by the fact you're united to Christ, your life has forever been changed. And you have blessings and riches and promises that change the very reality of who you are and how you will live your life. And so I want to introduce this book as the, uh, the riches that we have in Christ, the reason why it's made available to us, the reason why we can cash it in, and the response that we may have after, hear, after believing it. So the, the riches, the reason, and the response. So I want to ask you if we can give this a shot, give this letter a chance for the bold claims that it makes, but journey with us through however many weeks it takes to unpack this letter and this claim that you are, you are rich in Christ. Your reality 
can be totally different. So the riches. This book talks about the riches that we have in Christ. And the riches are covered by chapters 1 through 3. Okay, all about the riches that we have in Christ. But we first start with Paul. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So apostle means that he's a sent one. He's a messenger. He's an authorized agent sent by Jesus, right, to represent him and to go out and proclaim the message and the truth of Christ. So Paul is an apostle, a messenger, a sent one. And he knows firsthand the riches. You guys saw that coming. He knows firsthand the riches that are offered in Christ. Because he, his old life was like this. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the laws. He was a teacher. He was smart. He was a genius. Um, he followed the rules perfectly. He was a good guy. So good that if you didn't follow these laws or if you diverted from these laws, he wanted to put you in prison. In fact, he wanted to kill you if you followed the way, if you followed this man named Jesus. He wanted to put you to death. Until one day he was on his way to Damascus to kill more Christians. Jesus revealed himself to him and opened his eyes to the gospel. And he revealed this mystery that all can be saved and accepted and loved by God, even if you're not a Jew. Because it's simply by grace through faith. Not by works, not by how many laws you, you uh, obey, not how good you are at keeping the rules going to church, reading your Bible, how long you pray, how many good deeds you do. But it's by grace. All humanity, all the nations can now enter into the family of God. And that was revealed to him. And Jesus called him to be a preacher of this gospel, of this good news. And so in chapter 3 of Ephesians, three times he talks about, by the grace of God given to me, I can now proclaim this mystery. Because he knew at that moment when Jesus encountered him, he could have struck him dead. But he said, no. Although you've killed many of my people, you've, you've hurt the body of Christ, you, you persecuted me, Paul. You killed me when you were killing those Christians, my followers. But no, I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you a new chance. You're going to be my tool. I'm going to use you to spread the good news of the gospel all over the world. So he knows grace. He knows grace and the riches that are in Christ. And so in chapter 3, he talks about the grace given me three times. The grace given me, the grace given me, because he knew he didn't deserve that. But he has given, been given the grace to preach this mystery of the gospel that all Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. And now I get to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So we start with Paul in unpacking these riches. And I want to say to you, no matter how far you've gone astray from God, how sinful of a life you've lived, that grace can reach down and give you a second chance again and again and again. That's the riches that we have in Christ. The riches of his love will always be enough. 
And so Paul was traveling around preaching the gospel, and he encountered the people of Ephesus, a busy, prosperous capital city of Asia Minor. And he spent two years there preaching the good news. And then he traveled around, and finally, uh, some years later, he wrote this letter to them. And it was actually intended not for just the people of Ephesus, but the surrounding churches. So a lot of the early manuscripts don't say uh, the saints who are at Ephesus. It's actually blank because a a lot of these early reliable manuscripts left it blank so that whatever church it got to, they could write their name in there, that this was to me. And so it's supposed to be a circulatory letter going around to the churches in Asia Minor. And so he sent this letter. And this letter in chapters 1 through 3 just, just, just hits on how awesome the riches are that we have in Christ. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Bless us with every spiritual blessing. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. In him we have an inheritance. Verse 11, verse 18, that you may know the hope that he's called you to. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Toward us who believe. He put all things under his feet, verse 22, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Chapter 2, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, so that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Do you see the the pattern here? Riches, immeasurable, unsearchable. And then finally, in chapter 3, when he's ending this section of these riches, he, he prays this heartfelt prayer, this passionate prayer. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And that is his prayer for us. That you may know the riches, how high and wide and deep and long is the love of Christ. And to be able to say that he can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And that power is in us. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that can be the reality for your life, for our church? The word inheritance is used four times, and the word riches is used five times, and the word fullness or filled is used seven times. So I want us to to see 
the riches that, that, that Paul has mentioned. And we're going to break those down week by week. What are those riches? But I want you to first be able to look and believe and say, these riches, can they really be for me? Can it really change the way I see my life? Can it really make a difference? Can it really take me into a new reality where it's not just this boring, same old, same old life every day? Can we truly live out the power of God in our lives? Can we truly sense and know and understand and grasp how great is his love for us? And we can. We can. I believe it. Paul prays it. And I want us to pray it and receive it. And here's the reason why it can happen. Because we look at verse 2. Or I'm sorry, verse 1. To the saints, Paul an apostle, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. He calls them saints. They're set apart. They belong to the family of God. You are God's people now. And how is that happening? How does that happen? It's by grace. By grace, these people were called and gathered to be his own. By grace. The word grace is used 12 times. And the word grace means God's unmerited, undeserved kindness and favor. Grace is behind all these lavish, this lavishness, this treasure that God pours out. Grace is behind it. It's by grace. That's why he says grace to you. Grace to you. The saints. People of God. You are his. That is the reason why we can receive it. Because you're his. And that's the other thing that I want this, uh, us to notice in this verse. That it's because of their faithfulness in Christ. Because they are faithful in Christ. What that means is full of faith in Christ. Because of being in Christ, being his, this can be your reality. And that word in Christ is used 27 times throughout Ephesians. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So what does that mean that we're in Christ? And that's the reason why you can receive these riches, that it can be a reality in your life. Because we're in Christ. We can have the fullness of God because we're in Christ. You know, I have a three-year-old daughter. Um, and she loves painting and drawing. Um, and, and I also work at a preschool, our church preschool, Monday or sometimes Monday through Friday. Um, and I oversee the preschool, and there's about 80 to 90 kids, sometimes all the way up to 120 kids. And I see a lot of artwork. I see a lot of drawings and colorings. But every day, my daughter, Myla, will come and bring to me her artwork. Whether it's from school or at home that she's painted, and I look at it, And their faces are purple. Sometimes there's no nose. Sometimes the arms are really long. Sometimes the, the colors are outside the lines. Sometimes I can't even tell what it is. But when she gives it to me, I go, thank you, Myla. This is awesome. What is it? 
She's like, that's you, Daddy. Oh, you drew me? Thank you. This is wonderful. And I take it, and I cherish it, right, because it's from her. Now imagine if any other kid came up to me and said, here, pastor, be like, thanks, you know. Like, get this out of my face, man. I don't want this. <laughs> no, I'm not that mean. But if I were that mean, I'd be like, oh, good job. Very good, <laughs> right? And it means nothing to me. But, but my daughters, it means the world to me because she drew me. And but you know what the most important thing is? It's because she's mine. She's mine. My daughter is, is mine. She belongs to me. So everything she does to me has value, has a different status than any other child. Because she is united to me. Because she is united to me. She gets my kisses and my hugs and my praises and my love nonstop, forever. So being united to Christ, being in Christ, makes the world of the difference. Apart from Christ, you're just a, a peasant servant slave, a sinner. But being united in Christ, you're now in prince and princess of the kingdom. Everything that is his is now yours. Everything that you do has value to him. That's what it means to be in Christ. And by grace, we can be united to him by faith. Now, what's the response? We went over the riches, the reason, and the response. If you believe it, if you receive it, how are we to live? And that's what chapters 4 through 6 are about. Responding to these riches. Living it out. Living in these riches. And that's why in verse 2 it says, Grace to you and peace from God. Because you can have the peace of God. The reality of God. Peace with God. Peace with yourself. Peace with one another. Peace with the world. There can be peace. And it's not always just talking about, you know, Violence ceasing. That peace is, uh, in the Hebrew, is shalom. That everything can be right again. Everything the way it's meant to be, will be. In response to his riches, in response to the reason why we can have these riches, let's live it out. As we dig into chapters 4 through 6, it will show us what it means to be a community, what it means to be a church, what it means to be united as junior high, high school, adults, what it means to be united with different ethnicities, what it means to be the body of Christ. Chapters 4 through 6 will talk about how we do family, how we love our wives, how we love our children. Chapters 4 through 6 will talk about how to live holy lives. In chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Chapter 4, verse 7, it says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Put off your old self and put on the new self created after the likeness of God. Be imitators of God as his children and walk in love. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Walk as children of light. Look carefully then how you walk. And finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is the response in light of the riches. It was said that during the, the freedom, freeing of the slaves, Abraham Lincoln, who was a, the leader of their freedom, it was said that he purchased a slave girl. But what did he do? He said, you're free to go after he rescued her from slavery. And she's like, you mean I can go anywhere I want? Yes, you're free. You can go anywhere you want. I can eat anything I want. You can eat anything you want. I can do anything I want. You can do anything you want. You're free. I've purchased your freedom. And then so she said, then you know what? I'll go with you. Her response to that purchase, that price that he paid, he knew, she knew that she'd be safe with him because she had not experienced a love such as this. How will we respond to the riches of his grace? And we'll go through that. We'll dig through that. Because he's good, because he's great, let's respond in worship. Let's respond in obedience. Let's respond in putting on the new self and throwing away the old self. The good news is about Ephesians, unlike those air hunters, it's not about one specific individual who's the rightful heir. Ephesians is a letter that's for all of us. It's, all, it's for all of us. Because it's all based on him. It's not anything we did, not anything we earned. It's all his. All of our riches are based on these things. His will, his grace, his glory, his power, his love, his good pleasure, his purpose, his calling, his inheritance, his workmanship. It's all because of him. It's all that we are in Christ. And thus, these things become ours. I urge you, let's not treat this letter lightly. Let's not throw it away on our bookshelves. I challenge all of us through the coming weeks, let's dig into it and study together. And I pray that as a community, we would be full of faith, full of God and all that he promises us in this new reality. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that there's a new reality and that there's this letter filled with treasures of, of, of promise.
promises and truths. God, pray that as we journey together, we will truly want to hunger to make this our reality. And it's offered to us by grace, undeserved. And you paid a great cost for us to have it. You shed your blood on the cross so that we might be free and have new life. Let us take hold of all the riches that are given to us in Christ. And we pray that we will experience the fullness of God in this place and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.